Welcome to The Founders. This is the podcast where we dig into the startup stories of some of the most exciting and innovative businesses by speaking to the founders themselves. I'm Alex. And I'm Joe. And in this episode, we're speaking to Absolute Collagen's co-founder and chief people and product officer, Darcy Laceby. Absolute Collagen is a beauty and wellness brand which grew from the Laceby family's kitchen by selling their collagen supplements. It was quite interesting to hear from her what it's actually like being a young founder. She even mentioned that even in some meetings, she's been um, mistaken for being a marketing exec when actually she's one of the co-founders of the business um, and how she dealt with that and how she overcame that and not let it really bother her. Um, and as well, working with um, family, she mentioned that um, a lot of the business, a lot of dealing with product, thing like things like this, a lot of it was dealt with by her mum. And so she had to work alongside her mum and now alongside a lot of other people in her family, which is on the face of it quite a tough dynamic. I think it was cool understanding that they very much had a social first marketing strategy when they first started out, which resulted in rapid growth for them. So we had a really good conversation around how they handled that growth. It was also interesting learning about their first above the line campaign, which was a TV ad that they'd run recently. And also the experience of bringing in a new CEO, which can be uh, a scary thing to do when you're handing over your what is effectively your baby over to, to another person. So what do you think business owners would learn from Darcy? There's so much value from from speaking with Darcy, especially if you know, you're know you someone who is building a business, so you're at your early stages, you, you might literally be packing products out of your own kitchen right now. Um, if you're at that early stage, there's tons to be taken from here. It's not just about you know how they scale to the large business uh, that they are today. There's tons that we that we talk about in this conversation about the early stages of the business. I think it was also great to learn about in their early days and with that social first marketing strategy that they'd deployed initially, why authenticity can be such a strong marketing tool. And so this is Chief People and Product Officer and co-founder of Absolute Collagen, Darcy Laceby. Enjoy. So Darcy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. So would you be able to tell us for any of the audience who don't know about Absolute Collagen, would you be able to talk through what the brand is about, who your customers are and what your role is within the business? Yeah, of course. So we're a direct consumer, um, mainly subscription focused beauty and wellness brand. We only have four products uh, at the moment. So we mainly sit in the supplement space with our collagen supplement. Um, And we also have our hair care products, which are kind of developed to essentially induce collagen production in the hair and also our skincare products. So we're always kind of customer focused, doing what the customer wants in terms of sort of development. But I started it with my mum sort of six, seven years ago, two years in development and officially launched five years ago. Um, But yeah, we've kind of scaled it now to to where we are really. And your mum, Maxine, is very much a face of the brand and she's very much a public facing advocate of the brand. How did you end up getting involved in the business? Was it something that you both started together when you identified that this is something that um, both men and women need as they as they get past a certain age? Or is it something that you got into after uh, your mum had already started the brand? Yeah, of course. So I think I always kind of, when I look back, we never really meant to start a business. Um, and that kind of surprises people massively. So I went to university to do food development and food science. I always wanted to get into logistics and product development. And I'm not really too sure why actually because logistics is always an absolute nightmare for most brands and companies but at the same time my sister turned 17 and she passed a driving test um my mum hadn't worked in 25 years so she kind of woke up one day and thought ah like I can 
do anything I want to do. Um, she'd always kind of had this theory that she was always the social one, the one that kind of like the extroverted one, put herself out there. Um, but that wasn't really her, if that makes sense. So she, well, she stopped drinking when I was sort of 10, 10 years ago now. Um, and she decided to do a fine art degree. Uh, same time I went to uni, luckily not the same uni, because I think that would have been an absolutely horrendous experience. Um, but she started and did a first term um, and in the second term, she kind of got to do a project that she chose. And she decided to do this thing, this like weird social experiment. And she's absolutely nuts. Like she's crazy. Uh, you can tell that by the way she looks like her hair, etc. She's quite like stand out, quite out there, does what she wants, unapologetic, uh, really. But in this kind of project, she literally turned up at my bedroom door one day and chopped pretty much all her hair off. And like, you probably won't know, I'm not sure if you've ever dyed your hair, but if you take the colour out of something, it goes orange or yellow kind of like this so she opened my bedroom door with like this short like, mullet would you call it a mullet yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> um, and a big tattoo on her arm and a nose piercing and I was like oh my it was quite unsettling so I was 19 uni will do it too yeah. Look, yeah I stayed on track at uni like to think the 50 year old woman kind of went off the rails is is quite worrying um, but yeah so she did that and what she realized is she wasn't very confident in herself and most people would kind of think to sort of cover up with makeup because that's kind of what she'd done in the past, etc. Maybe Botox and things like that. But she kind of looked at herself and thought, like, this isn't right. Um, like, you should kind of love yourself for who you are, if that makes sense. And by the way, the tattoo that she got here says, um, you're more than just a body. So this was kind of like the start of the collagen journey. And at that point, we hadn't even discovered collagen. Um, she then thought, okay, I need to start looking what I'm putting in myself and this is kind of like a spiritual holistic kind of journey of wellness and self-respect um and everyone in America was drinking bone broth so if you don't know what that is it's like you know if you have to you make a roast dinner and you have a chicken and you kind of just leave it to reduce with water and you get like a jelly that's essentially what bone broth is um so she started taking that and at the time I was oblivious to all of this going on um her friends and I was like, oh, you look well. You, you kind of have got a bit of a spring in your step. Your hair looks great. Your skin looks great. What are you doing? And she's taking this bone broth and still we were unaware it was collagen. Um, but her friends started wanting it. So we'd make up batches and send, they'd come around and get it. And if she ran out, they wouldn't be very happy. Like all her friends used to call her the collagen dealer, which is so a bit strange. <laughs> um, so first of all, she went off the rails of uni and now she becomes the collagen dealer. Um, and it was really hard work and we still weren't really sure what was in this product that was making people look and feel great. Um, so we just started researching what, what was this product. At uni, I could kind of use the resources we had there um, to kind of look a bit deeper into it. Um, and it was the collagen. Um, we also discovered that the collagen we were using, which was like chicken feet and pig's trotters at the time, um, wasn't the most sustainable source. It wasn't the cleanest source in terms of like antibiotics, etc., cetera, um, and bioavailable. So like the way in which your body breaks it down, like we knew we could do a better job. And at the time there was no liquid collagen, like concentrated liquid collagen supplement on the market. Like there was other skin supplements that had collagen in, but like collagen was never really the hero um, so that's kind of what we set out to do. And then we created a sachet, the yellow sachets, which you've probably seen, um, which is basically maximum of the stuff you need, minimum of the stuff you don't. You don't need to kind of refrigerate it, etc. So, yeah, that's kind of how I sort of got involved. My mum is really quite bad at numbers. I'm not very much better either, but I could kind of stop us running out of stock, etc. So I first off started over um, more of like the operational side. So like logistics 
and like that kind of side of the business while she did sort of like the brand side. What was the point at which you went from, um, you know, you, you had the bone broth, you then went and researched it to turn it into the sachet. W- at what point did you decide, right, we're going to turn it into a business then? And also, what was the feeling about going into business with y- your mum? Because I think a lot of people, me included, if I thought about going into business with my mum, I'd run a mile. So what, what was what was the thought process there? When did, you, when did you decide to turn it into a business and how did you feel about starting a business with your own mum? Yeah, so we developed it into a bottle. And I think at that time it wasn't really supposed to be a business. It was just an easier way of getting this product. So you know, like a cowpaw, like with a syringe and it was just in a bottle and it was really hard work. Um, but we were selling, like friends would come and buy it because it would just take a lot. It was a lot of effort to make, and I think we were over giving it away to like 20 people a month for free. Um, so we were probably like turning over like 2,000 pounds or something. Um, so at that point, we were like, oh, there's actually potential here for like, we've got this amazing product. Women want it. Um, how can we get it to as many of them as possible? So it might sound like a bit philosophical, but it was always like, how can we just get this product to as many people as possible? Like, we know that it's helped so many people. Um, up until this point and I never thought about it like I've never so pre-uni obviously you do like your bartending jobs and all of that and I did some weird stuff like when I was 14 I was thinking the other day I sold phone cases and then wrote a book when I was 16 like I did some weird things to try and make money but this was never really like about that if that made sense it was more just like how how do we get this product out there and then it came to December 2017 um, and we were like, okay, we need to build the website. So we found um, this guy came on like recommendation, um, Brad. He's now like one of like my closest friends, really. Um, so it was kind of me, Maxine, and this guy called Brad. And everyone was thinking, who, hey, what are they doing? Like these crazy people. <laughs> um, and he kind of managed tech systems, like anything to do with the website, like which is such a tech is probably an insult. Like it, like it's such a big part, isn't it? But then we turned the website on and nothing happened. <laughs> because we weren't putting any, like, we weren't pushing any traffic there. So that was interesting, I think. You mentioned that you did things like wrote a book and sold phone cases when you were younger, because you've clearly always had some sort of entrepreneurial mindset. Where do you think that came from? And what do you think that desire to generate your own income came from? Yeah, I know they always say, like, people are either motivated by, like, positive things or negative things. And I know that I'm motivated by, like, wanting to prove to myself that I can do something because in I know deep down I don't think I can if that makes any sense um and I know a lot of people like that to be honest but for me I've always been like really independent um my mum was a great mum growing up but she and my dad were quite um they partied a lot like they, they partied a lot so when I was sort of they divorced when I was 12 um so I'd always been I just always been quite independent like I'd always wanted to sort myself out if that made sense I had a privileged childhood like my parents are great. I grew up in a nice house. I went to a really good school. Um, so it's not like one of those stories. But I think for me, it's just always wanting to, I don't really trust people. Like I want to, I don't want to rely on anyone or I just can't rely on anyone. So yeah, I remember ordering those phone cases when I was like 13 and I didn't want to sell them because I was too scared. So I used to give them to like my stepmom to sell to her friends. <laughs> It's just, it's just really weird. Um, but yeah, when I was 16 or 17, uh, it was a sixth form, we did like this special project things and everyone was like writing essays on, I don't know, psychopaths born or bred or whatever. And I was like, well, that's boring. Let's do something fun. So I was like, oh, I'll publish a cookbook. Um, so then I just, I try and do everything. Just I just do it to the nth degree and 
I don't think it's a good thing half the time. Um, so yeah, I got that published and I remember I bought like a hundred copies and I was like, what am I going to do with them? <laughs> so I had to sell them. But yeah, that's kind of me, I guess. And so you've got this kind of entrepreneurial mindset. You've been sort of generating your own income using your own ideas from a young age. Joe and I are both quite young founders. And despite the fact that you've you've got your mom, Maxine, who's kind of got age on her side in the sense of being respected as a, uh, a business owner, people just sit, tend to associate age with experience. Um, but as young founders ourselves, I wanted to ask, have you ever had an experience where you either aren't taken too seriously because of your age when you're talking about these big business deals, for example, or talking about running your own company? Is that something that you've ever had to face in your career? Yeah. And I think I've learned um, that now it's more of a me problem than another people's problem. Cause I think it's my perception of myself as opposed to like people looking in, if that makes sense. I, I still get it now. Like I'll sit in meetings and we have an awesome CEO, like our uh, C-suite is is amazing and incredible people. Um, but I'll go into meetings. I'll be like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. Are, are you the marketing exec? And I, I just like, yeah, <laughs> I might as well go along with it, to be honest. <laughs> it's sometimes just easier, isn't it? Um, but it doesn't bother me anymore. I used to, like I used to get quite down about it, but we have some really good suppliers and we've had the same suppliers since the beginning and I get on incredibly well with them. And they kind of took, I guess, a bit of a punt and our branding team, like the guys that created the branding that we still have now, like still work for them. They believed in us, I think. Um, so the kind of key players that we were dealing with were okay about it. And I look back and they must have thought like we were absolutely bonkers. I remember driving, um, Maxime's going on Dragon's Den. It never got aired actually, but she went and recorded a series. Um, and we ran out of collagen. So I was basically driving around the UK trying to pick up boxes of our collagen and yeah <laughs> I, we honestly must have like crazy people going back you mentioned before about that moment where it was you Maxine and Brad you've launched the website um no traffic arrived is what you just mentioned um what were those early days of growth like and what was the point of where you looked at what you had and thought oh no this is actually something this is going to go somewhere yes yeah, so I'm not a risk taker surprisingly I think everyone expects you to be I'm not at all and my mum is a massive risk taker so we have this like juxtaposed kind of mentality to most things she went to a talk in London and Facebook marketing was definitely a thing seven years ago but it wasn't as big as it it is now or was a year ago and she listened to this lady talk uh, Tash her name is from a company called Bolt Digital in London and that she asked, does anyone have any questions at the end? And she just gave this amazing talk about, which is all new to us. Like we had no idea about that even like you could push ads through Facebook at that time. Um, and Maxine stood up and she went, are you taking any more clients? <laughs> and she was like, oh no. Um, but my mum's very persistent. So she kind of hounded her down after and just gave her a box of collagen. And we still like, when we talk about it now, it's always the woman with the yellow box, like that, that this, this company Tash like believed in. So Maxine came home that day and she's like, Darcy, we're going to, what about, what do you think about spending £7,000 a month on this like digital marketing company called Bolt? And I was like, oh, that was a lot of money. Bear in mind, we had no income streams. Like I'm thinking we're going to burn through cash completely. Maxine, well, she remortgaged the house. Like that's wow. how much this business kind of needed to work. So we had like, yeah, we put about 120 grand into the business. But until the investment never took any more sort of cash. But yeah, it's 
it was kind of weird taking that step. And then we kind of pre-December, so December was when we kind of started it, December 17, the kind of road of digital marketing. And before that, we were doing like two, three grand a month. And I remember in that December, we did like seven. And it was like 14, it was like 26. And kind of just grew from there. And in the first year of sort of trading, I think we did 300 grand. And then second, sort of 3 million. And then it kind of went up from there. That growth that you've mentioned there, 300 grand to 3 million is no short feat. Like that's quite incredible. From what I've read online, that growth rate continued over the years to come. What was the main cause of, of that rapid growth? So at the beginning, when we started marketing, we didn't use any people. Like it was just a product. We were like, oh, we're selling a product. People want the product. And it's got these very defined benefits, skin, hair, nails, joints, whatever it is. And we hadn't done any shoots so we had no pictures or videos of our product, really. And Bolt were like, just send us some videos of Maxine, just talking, just chatting, like day in the life, like random stuff. And we probably filmed this on like our phones or something. Um, and we just started talking about like how the business started. Um, Maxine like boiling bones in her kitchen. Um, like there's like like the pictures, like the iconic pictures of her in the kitchen with like pots and pans and whatever. And when we started doing that and when we started building more of like a personality, people wanted to get more involved in the business. Um, like I know that we were a product sort of three years ago. And like I know that we have a brand now and I know that we have a brand that people love. Like I know that people follow AC that don't take our product, for instance. Um, and I think it's even more important now, especially with sort of the younger consumers, like they want to align with a brand that like truly stands by their values, whether that's environment and sustainability isn't a USP anymore. Like you should just be sustainable, um, whether that's an environment or yeah, kind of brand or, or what you kind of stand for. Definitely. Is it fair to say that a lot of that growth has come from the advertising that you did primarily through social then? Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of the one is like the biggest risks up until like two years ago, we were solely basically reliant on Facebook and Instagram, like Google for us back then was like 15% probably of our uh, marketing spend and we didn't really do anything else. It's interesting though, like if we looked at first click data, it's always, I don't know, brand search or whatever, not brand search, but like Facebook or whatever. But then if we anecdotally like speak to people and our customers, it's, oh, I heard you in by my salon, like salon person or my, my best friend told me about you. And it's amazing. Like we hear stories of customers that will go out for lunch together. They'll have no idea they're all taking the product. And then like suddenly five of them are sat around the table, all friends, they haven't spoke about it before. And they realize they're all taking exactly the same products. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, it's through predominantly digital marketing, word of mouth. We'd never really YouTube we've never up until that point never really tried anything else I think it was a great product and it was a really good time and we had a good authentic story to tell um so we kind of caught that wave I guess yeah and I think that what you described then about uh, Maxine sending in the content of her sort of recording it on a phone just talking about the story of the business and 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 the product and its and its USPs that's largely something that we've seen over the last three years anyway start to pick up and I think with the rise of TikTok as well something that has become or is starting to become the norm of content libraries that are going out on ads now. So it's, it's almost as though you were one of the first of those. I saw recently that you have uh, run a TV advert. What was the decision-making behind why? that? <laughs> why? Why? <laughs> I ask myself every day. No. Um, so 
we know Facebook's getting less efficient and Meta's still our most efficient platform, but we know it's not as efficient as it as it had been. Um, we know that collagen as a category needed building. Like people still aren't aware. Like I think only six, 17% of people that know that you can like take collagen as a supplement. Most people think it's injected in your face. Um, and that's kind of a stigma that we needed to get over. So those were kind of the two jobs, collagen awareness, absolute collagen awareness. Um, and then we kind of, we looked at loads of different, different means of kind of getting out there um, and getting to the next step. And we know we had a significant um, portion of money that we, we could potentially put into this because uh, we know we didn't want to go sort of small. And yeah, we kind of just looked and indexed our customers based on kind of where they are in the country, et cetera. And TV sort of seemed the best option. Um, we did a trial in July, July 4th for four weeks. Um, and then we just relaunched the ad two weeks ago, I think, uh, with slightly amended copy, et cetera. But it's going well. Like we can, we tried to assess it on CPA the first time, which probably wasn't the best of moves. <laughs> um, but yeah, we can definitely see like the peaks and chops. And our customers apparently really like uh, Married at First Sight. Right, interesting. Okay. Surprising. I say that here and everyone looks at me like they don't watch it and I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was about how can we quickly scale um, and how can we reach as many as like our, of our audience as possible? Uh, and we're still learning a lot. We still don't know whether it's like an efficient channel for us, to be honest. Um, but we want to test it more over the next sort of, this is a six-week stint now, mainly on sort of Sky and breakfast channels. It's interesting speaking to someone who's almost come from the other direction than most brands would have, where they're looking at TV as their major channel and social is almost something that is... Not necessarily an afterthought. I think that behavior is kind of moving away and people are respecting social a lot more. Yeah. It's um, definitely new but, though, isn't it? Yeah, but a lot of the time people would repurpose TV ad. People still do this now. They'll repurpose their TV ad and just put it on TikTok, Instagram, wherever. Whereas you've come from a background of scaling your brand almost entirely through digital platforms and then decided to go to TV. So what do you find that the key differences are in terms of the the way that you feel after the campaign, the way that it's tracked? Do you miss having that kind of instant feedback or do you do you feel like you get that instant feedback? Yeah, like I think we're definitely still learning about like the full like the full funnel approach to TV if that makes sense. Like we tried in the first stint in July to just repurpose a TV ad and that's not what we've ever done before. Like we've never really done this like professional clean cut stuff. And that probably didn't work as well as we wanted it to. And so now we've kind of tried like through the funnel to tell like the story behind the people in the ads. So I remember sat sat there with um, our creative agency. And I was like, we're going to use real customers. And they were like, we're filming it in two weeks. They're like, really? You want to use real customers? I was like, yeah, we can do it. Like, it's fine. And I think that worried them slightly. Um, but it was such a good decision. Genuinely, the guys in it were amazing. So yeah, like all the people in the ad are actual customers that we reached out to and asked. Um, but what's great now is they've kind of come on board as like ambassadors. Um, so they always, I had one yesterday, like record like TikToks of them, like flicking through like Hello Magazine and like seeing themselves on the ad. And they are awesome. Like it's awesome pieces of content. And then like sharing that on their platform, um, like with us, which I went to Meta actually like six weeks ago and they're really pushing like this, like content through other content creators for kind of brands, aren't they? I think. Um, but yeah, it's been really interesting to kind of learn about it and interesting to kind of see like the data after it. Like I said, we're still not even sure whether it's like a good platform for us or not a good platform for us. Um, 
but we know that we can reach a lot of people that way. And we can definitely see that collagen awareness is going up. Our data and analytics team is ace here. Like, I think we're way more sophisticated in terms of our approach to data than a business of our size. But yeah, the team are monitoring it probably hourly, I think. (laughs) That's a really cool way around of doing it, though, in, in the sense that you've used real customers. I think we've seen that authenticity is becoming more and more important in advertising. People... I think understand the brands need to be commercial and almost create a, a a world of their brand that is the best case scenario. Whereas I think what people want to see is they want to see through that and speak directly to customers. And this consumer to consumer advertising is becoming more and more popular. But the fact that you took real customers and then you almost gave them an experience that I think people could relate to in the sense that you've then got this layer of social underneath of them um, experiencing the surprise and delight of of seeing themselves in different magazines and on different platforms. I think that's such a cool way of being able to put your brand out there. And almost the idea, I feel like the idea that you're giving that people that emotion would work for a lot of brands, but you're almost using it as like a, it's almost like a, trojan horse to also promote absolute collagen on top of giving being able to show people having that kind of experience was that but that was all just sort of you just sort of rolled with the punches on it rather than designing it all in your head from scratch uh so it was all we have a lot of issues because we're beauty supplement and we like sit on the health space like we have a lot of issues with kind of what claims we can make what claims we can't make and we were pretty much aside from a couple of brands like the first beauty supplement there's been one on tv before but it got actually got taken down to kind of do tv uh, recently in like more recent times um but i remember we asked one of the customers anna i was like you're, you're gonna do the swim scene so she's got basically run off pier in manchester actually in the cold um and jump into a lake and she's like yeah i'll be fine so she does uh, like makeup artist courses like she's used to speaking in front of a few people and i, I saw her the night before i was up by the way it's quite there's quite a lot of people on this shoot. We have like a production team of like 50. Just remember that when you get there in the morning. And she's like, yeah, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. So she turns up and she's like, there's a lot of people here. And I felt <laughs> sorry for her. She had to jump in and out of that lake about seven times. Like she was freezing. Um, but since it, like I've spoken to her and she's like, you've given me this newfound confidence that I didn't know I had, which is really nice. That's amazing. It's just really nice to know. Yeah. It's good. It's nice to know that you're actually making a difference. And that's kind of what I, like, I'm very purpose driven. I'm not motivated by money or whatever. Like, I know that I need to be doing something for other people or for myself. So you've scaled the brand to a point. Yourself and your mum have been working really hard, packaging things up in your kitchen. You scaled to the point where you could hire a few people in to help you do so. I'm assuming move to office spaces. Um, And then in 2021, Maxine decided to step down as CEO and bring in Francis Russell what drove that decision why was that the right time so yeah in in February 2020 we were 12 people I think uh we just well we were actually still working at home at that point we just had a garage extended so we could fit like six pallets of collagen in but it still didn't work very well. We had like people actually coming to our house, which is really quite bizarre thinking about it. It was kind of the point where it was still me, Maxine, Brad. By that point, my partner had come on board full time. My sister had come on board full time. And they're still here, which is great. <laughs> We're all still together, which is also a massive bonus. Um, 
But we didn't know what we were doing. Like, it would have been disrespectful to the team here for us to think, oh, yeah, we can do this. We can take it to the next step. Uh, it did kind of disrespectful to customers. Luckily, like, nothing... And it's been, like, a struggle. Like, you obviously have your ups and downs. Um, but nothing had gone really that wrong. We'd always had, like, customer safety and things up at kind of, like, the top priority list. Um, but it got to a point where we like, shall we look at what investment is like? Like, we're quite cash-generative business, so it was more for, like, the experience and what that can bring on board. So February, we started that process. I had no idea what to expect. I think it was the most painful nine months. Yeah, it was like, it got to, like, 10 o'clock at night, and we'd be sat there on the phones with the lawyers. I actually remember, sorry, this is digressing. Um, we had a call with the lawyers, and it was the disclosure call. And then, right, Maxie, I need to know about every, like, your past. You need to tell me what's happened, like, anything that comes out. And she just speaks really openly um like she's been in recovery she's been in rehab kind of thing and you could see these people like oh my goodness like they usually speak to kind of I'm not gonna say boring people but very kind of white collar straight laced yeah yeah so I think they loved it I think they loved working with us um but yeah so that went through in December 17 2020 um and yeah we now had investors um so we kind of always went into that investment process with the idea that we were going to be the people to sort of lead and take the business forward um so investment happened in december 20 in february we had a new cmo um and then cfo joined and then in october last year so october 21 um francis joined and i can honestly say that i don't think without the investors on board such kind of incredible people would have come into the business so francis yeah francis is ex vice president of Amazon. And I remember I had our first like interview with her and I'm thinking, are you sure you want to come work here? Like it's a, it's a, it's a big step, I mean, in my head down. Um, but she could see the potential. I think everyone looks at it, that kind of, they come to the office, they meet the team, they kind of see the customers, they see how the customers kind of react to the brand and they can see it's special and it has like true meaning, true purpose to people. Um, so it's nice that these people wanted to get involved and I'm very much like, these people know way more than me. I know the customer way more than most of them, but they, in terms of business and strategy and what we should be doing, um, they could really help like propel this business. And I spoke to someone actually who came to the business when we were like four people and they came into our living room and I made him a cup of tea and he was from, I don't know, some government thing. And he was like, um, I saw him a few weeks ago. He's like, aren't you really happy? Like you've made it. There's like 50 people here. Like you're, you, you, you've, you've done it. You've created the brand. And I was thinking, I said, like, absolutely not. There's 50 people now, like that we are responsible for. Um, like we need to make this brand sustainable and we need to make it last. Like, I don't want to look back and well, look forward and in 10 years, this brand not be here. Like that's not what I'm about. And everyone asks me like, what's the goal? I don't really care about the revenue. Like I just want to create a brand that people associate and love and, kind of want to be a part of like I want to look in 10 years time and yeah I have my visions about what I want AC to be um but it's exciting and I I think we can get there um working out of a kitchen sounds difficult to say the least uh, especially working with working with family in such close proximity um was it difficult to separate um work from home life I look back and like I would wake up at seven and I would get on my laptop and I would sit there till whatever time. And I would do that on Saturday mornings and I loved it. Like it, it was like the best thing ever. Like I guess probably at the beginning, that's probably how you guys felt too. I don't know. Um, 
and I didn't want to do anything else. Like, this is all I wanted to do, like, yeah. every moment of every second. So it never really bothered me. Like, I loved the fact that I could jump downstairs and didn't have to go, like, commute. And it always worked from home, and everyone does that now, right? Did that change at all over time? That feeling that you got where, you you know, you'd hop downstairs and all you'd want to do was work on this brand, did that change over time? Yeah. Yeah, I've learned that there's more to life than working. Like, I stopped doing anything. Like, I stopped seeing friends. I stopped going to the gym. Like, I love running. Like, I kind of stopped all of that. I stopped playing hockey. And I look back and I think, weirdo, why did you do that? But I think it was kind of crucial in building AC. But, like, the last sort of two years, I've learned that I need to kind of look after myself more. I remember looking at my holiday once and I'd taken, like, the year 2020 when we did the investment. I'd taken, like seven days holiday like the whole year and I know that was actually lockdown so it probably wasn't that weird but now I'm like I take my holiday leave at five o'clock like try not to think about work it's hard like if we do stuff as a family to go from the kind of work relationship to a family relationship because I'm very serious like I'm quite a serious person but yeah I've learned that I want to go to the gym after work and I want to cook a nice meal and I'll like I'll do that and I don't have any regret and I don't feel guilty about doing that which, yeah, doesn't doesn't bother me anymore. <laughs> and is that something you have to police? Like he said there, if you go out with family, like I, when me and Alex, if we if we ever do anything together, within about ten yeah, minutes, we're probably minutes. talking about work, right? Yeah. Um, is that if is that something that you that happens a lot? And if so, do do you have to police it at all to like not talk about it or? Yeah, I've. So I think the problem. My little sister's the funniest. So she kind of manages all the organic social so like just before this call actually we were doing tiktoks which is not really my vibe but she was making <laughs> me do them anyway she'll be the one to be like i'm not talking about this which is great um i think we've got to the point now is like we're all in really kind of different areas of the business that it doesn't necessarily cross over that much anyway so me and rich rich is my partner uh he's great like i don't think i could do this like without him if that makes sense like, i'll i go home and talk to him every night about what's happened and what I'm not happy with and he'll kind of just sit there and listen to me and I just talk at him usually um, but it helps doesn't it so I think I speak to a lot of people and a lot of friends and they're like I couldn't do what you guys do um I think it's I don't know why but it just works and I think we're really lucky that it has worked and like all the stars have lined or whatever but yeah I think we're all lucky to be here and all be friends <laughs> you mentioned there's there were some ups and downs along the way during the growth phases one of the what do you see as one of the most defining moments for you personally um, in either building your business or something that happened even in your earlier life that has contributed to where you are today I think I'm just very determined as a person like I probably looking back when we were trying to we launched in America then retracted that like I will do everything I can to make something happen and I don't know where that's come from like I don't know what it is but, like, if I want something to happen, and my mum's the same, like, it, we'll, we'll try and make it happen. and We won't kind of rely on other people to do something and always ask questions. And I think it's just that, like, acceptance to... We've always just, like, gone with the flow a little bit and it's always like, yes, like, can we do that? Yeah, we can do that. Um, I don't think we're necessarily, like, big believers in ourselves, which is weird. Like, it's kind of a bit backwards. But I think we've just always not really looked up but I remember when we went to there's a awards or like a board called CW which is cosmetic executive women it's like the biggest kind of beauty accolade that you can get and in 2019 we went there um and we probably I don't know turning over like 
12 million or something I'm not sure and then this guy came up to me and like oh you're Darcy from Absolute College and I was like yeah um and he was like your brand's like Botox and I was thinking I don't know what that means and he was like Botox is a brand name for like filler and he was like people don't want collagen people want absolute collagen and I was like really like do they and at that point we hadn't really we'd never really ventured into the beauty industry because we thought we were in the food industry which isn't right obviously and actually yeah we pushed that awards to bring food supplements into their categories because they hadn't had them there before so I guess it was just like there's certain points when I can kind of I'm really bad at celebrating success like I don't really do that I just think it's like this constant dissatisfaction you guys probably have the same thing where you get somewhere and you think oh I just want to get to the next place but yeah I think it's just been kind of like a multitude of different things to lead us here I guess. What was one of the hardest moments that you can remember in the journey of building up absolute collagen yeah (laughs) so we were in lockdown and so it was I lived at home at this point so my my partner had moved in because we worked from home and like the packing was at home we just all were there so it's my mum my partner me my sister her partner and my mum essentially bear in mind I kind of managed the the marketing side essentially gave notice to our marketing digital marketing company in like t- with two weeks two week period and you can imagine like the fear that that kind of instilled in me and being in the same house in lockdown I guess that wasn't the easiest that like, you can really get away you can really walk anywhere but I think like points like that have always kind of made us I guess stronger like me and my mum I think people expect us to have like best friend like mother daughter relationship we don't have that we have quite, I guess, like quite a mature, developed relationship. I'm very kind of straight talking. I think people in the business come in and expect me to be one way and my mum to be another thing, another way. And they come in and get kind of the opposite of what they expect. And I think that's why I respect the team so much here. Like the team are really awesome. But yeah, it's it's weird working with you, mum. <laughs> well, we've only got three questions left and these are more for things that they might be able to take away and use in their own lives and I think one one of the questions is what is the biggest lessons that you've learned I think you gave a really good example in work-life balance is important to achieve longevity effectively but what what are the biggest lessons that you feel like you've learned in your career to date I've really had to balance trusting myself and listening to other people I've always been like if someone has like the credentials or has the background I'm like they know best like that person is the person that knows best so I've always just kind of I can be quite complacent and just go with it because I'm like they've done this before but a lot a couple of times that's kind of got me in situations that I don't want to be in if that makes sense or I know that we could have done something better um and it's learning to sort of trust and I'm still not there at all but I think no one's ever perfect are they but just learning to sort of trust myself better and my instincts um because I think like running a business is I want to do things differently sometimes like I think if I think something and I'm like that's not normal that's not really against that's against the grain like we can't do it and then I kind of sit down and think yeah we can like we don't have to be like a normal company we can shake things up we can do essentially whatever you like there's not a rule book and I think that's what I've had to learn is to try and kind of navigate through like what we can change versus what the norm is and have you picked up any principles that help you either in your personal life or in your work life as you grow in the business I get really grumpy if I don't 
go to the gym or go for a run. And I know that I get grumpy if I don't see people. I'm like a very people person. And I think that's kind of what lockdown showed me was like, I want to be around people. I'm not an extrovert. Like I'm kind of half and half, to be honest. But I kind of thrive off seeing other people, I guess. And it's just learning to, to trust your instincts, isn't it? with that I don't know basically that, that Crush your instincts is a good one <laughs> that is a good one don't work with your parents that's another one oh, yeah <laughs> two solid ones there yeah you're probably really going to hate this answer um, I think because we're all so close we've always just relied on asking each other and even though none of us have actual experience in this we have this saying like um, all you've got to do is the next right thing and we've kind of always like lived by that and we say it all the time actually um and it's it's we just try and just try and do like the next right thing and the next make the next decision a good one there's a couple of people that I'd always ring for sort of advice etc but we've grown very quickly like over the sort of past 5 years and i think a lot of the time we haven't really had chance to look up and we've had to put a lot of trust in other people so, like, our marketing has always been uh, external, for instance. But, yeah. Darcy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Before we sign off completely, is there anywhere that you post your own content or that people can follow you if they want to see more of your your work? Yeah, I actually got verified on Instagram last week. It's very exciting. Nice. Um, yeah. Well, my sister was very excited. I was a bit confused. I was like, really? Um, but, yeah, my Instagram, I guess, Darcy Laceby or LinkedIn. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much for the conversation. I think there was so much value in there. Maybe we'll get to catch up again at some point in the future. No, thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Founders. If you liked the content in this podcast, you can get new content from a new founder every week by following us on all podcast apps. 